0: Follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. We're still talking about Jesus, our healer. This is lesson number five. And before I even get into the details of the message here this morning, Wednesday night I shared a testimony about an individual, a Muslim, who attended a crusade. And when he went to the crusade, he heard wonderful worship. He heard inspired message. And when it was all over at the end of the message, he wasn't impressed by anything. And he said to the preacher, he said, I want you to prove... That what you just preached is true. Wonderful music, wonderful worship, wonderful message on who Jesus is and what he does. But prove it. I've got my deaf daughter here. If Jesus opens up her ears and she can hear, I'll believe you. So the man prayed for his deaf daughter. She was healed. The guy gave his heart to Jesus. He went to the mosque. Emptied it, brought them all back to the crusade, and everybody in that place got saved. Amen. The Holy Ghost is the proof provider. He's the evidence producer. And that will give us this next verse in our direction for our uh, message today. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness and the work, notice these words, and the work of faith with power. Notice the work of God is a work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, we've been emphasizing the fact that we need to have faith in the finished work of Christ. All that he did for us. That he became sin for us. He bore our sickness. He carried our pains and by stripes we were healed. So we need to have faith in that finished work of Christ. And then also we emphasize the fact that we have to understand the importance of our words. The words that we speak are powerful. As a matter of fact, the words that we speak contain either life or death. We've been taught that in the word. And God really put it this way. Look at Numbers 14, 28. He eventually gives us what we say. Saying to them, that is the Israelites, as truly as I live, I believe God lives, don't you? Sayeth the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. We should put that in our homes, write it on our mirrors, our refrigerators, and the list goes on and on. Notice, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. We never said the faith life is a cakewalk. It's a fight. Fight the good fight of faith. It's a fight. The words that we speak are meaningful to God. And eventually, those words will come to pass. And so, he also taught us that the lips and the heart can be far from one another. You can honor him with your lips, but your heart's far from him. And so, it's important that we understand the need to get these two in sync. And that was an emphasis. But today, i want to emphasize something else. I want us to focus our attention on the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the power of God. That side to it. Because we know it's the work of faith with power means... When faith activates the power of God, that's when things become a reality to all of us. And so it's important that we recognize that. And Basically, we could take that to the beginning when God spoke the word and then the spirit of God moved and creation came into being. But then also in the life of Mary, when Mary was told that the spirit of God is going to come upon her and hover over her. And then the child conceived in her womb would be the son of God. And when she said those words, be it unto me according to thy word, that's when the Holy Ghost went into operation and the power of God was in manifestation and she conceived in her womb the Son of God. So if we can see the principle here. Once again, this is not a cakewalk. It involves discipline for all of us. Myself included, all of us. The only one I know that was highly skilled in this was Jesus. But we should never minimize it in our lives. As you can see here, these Israelites spent 40 years in the wilderness as a result of what they said. Who wants that? I don't. In the book of Luke, chapter 5, verse 17 through 26, a tremendous uh, portion of Scripture. Let's read it first, then I want to make some comments. It came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Is them singular or plural? Okay. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, or he was paralyzed, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in, because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and led him down through the tiling, with his couch in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaks blasphemies? Who could forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee? Or to say, rise up and walk. But that you may know something. And what's that? That the Son of Man has power upon earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy couch and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed. And they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we've seen strange things today. Wow. First, as I looked over this, I thought, why is that in the Bible? If you were to read John 21, 25, I think from the message translation, it says, if everything that Jesus did when he was on earth was detailed, the world could not contain the library of books that should be written. Don't let that go over the top of your head here. Did you hear that? If everything that Jesus did when he was here on this planet was written, the world could not contain the library of books that should be written. That's a lot, wouldn't you say? So if we condense it down to this man's testimony, wow. Must be pretty important, wouldn't you say, for the Holy Ghost to anoint someone to put that particular testimony in there? Pretty important. So there's some things we can glean from this, and we will in just a moment. But that particular portion of Scripture is very dear to my heart. And I'll give you a quick reason why. You've heard my testimony that when I was in my second year at Youngstown State University. I was in a communications class and they asked me to give a speech. With tremendous reluctance, I went up there and did this. That's what I did. And when I got done, I canceled the class and I left college. Got a job working at a mill making some decent m- money. <laughs> I was, I was done with the whole thing. Okay, what's that got to do with this? Well, when I went to Rhema, after getting saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and I went to Rhema, there I am. I'm in all these classes, Bible classes and all that. I'm in a communications class. And in that class, they finally says, you know, now that, it was every other day, so it was like, say, a Wednesday it was a Friday. You're going to be, someone's going to be giving at least a, two, three, four-minute sermon. Everybody get prepared. So there are, I would say, about 60 to 75 in this particular class filled with all these people there. And we're just sitting. teacher comes in. Who liked to be the first one to give the, their, their little sermon? My hand went up like that. I don't know who put my hand up like that. My hand just went up just like that. And I went, I want you to see the contrast here. I wouldn't. I hated it. And then I was the first one. He goes, okay, you. Okay. And that was the section of Scripture that I used. And I preached a little sermonette on that incident. And when I got done, I sat down. And a fellow sitting next to me, he said, you know, anybody can got heal from that. That was powerful. Amen. And I was like mesmerized. like, I didn't even know I did it. <laughs> you know? One of those things that you start realizing when God gets a hold of you, he can change you. Can you see that? He certainly can. Amen. Okay. So, first of all, why are these here? Because they're important for us to learn certain lessons. So what are we going to learn here? Well, the first thing that we're going to learn is this. There were a lot of people there. And they were there with a lot of different motives. There were doctors of the law. There were lawyers. There were scribes, there were Pharisees, there were scoffers. There were curiosity seekers and observers. And the list goes on and on. I'm sure there were those in unbelief. But the place was filled with a lot of different people and coming from different perspectives. So let's just nail that down in the beginning here. Secondly, what we understand is this. God's healing power, His dunamis, His miracle-working power was present To heal them. Not one. But them. We have no record of anybody else being healed. And I wonder if it's been presented that way so that we understand what the importance is here. One got healed in this particular testimony. Even though the power was present to heal them. Only one got healed. Okay. And then also... We learned that faith can be seen by God. Faith can be seen. When he saw their faith. Well, Actually, when he saw his faith. He saw their faith. He saw his faith because he spoke to the one man. But how did he see their faith? Faith is seen in action. Okay. So here's a multitude of people. Jesus is in this house. You can't even get near to him. So they go to the back of the house where no one was, a staircase that goes up to the top of the house, the roof of the house. And in those days, some of the houses had like a trap door up on top where they could use it if they had to get out or whatever. And so they take this man on the cot that he's on and they want to let him down in front of Jesus, but it's not big enough, it's not wide enough, so they tear up the, the tile. Anybody want someone to come over and rip up your roof? We can get a lot of crew together and go ahead and do it. But imagine it. They're up there and they tear up the ceiling towel or the towel of the roof, however it was designed and made, enough to get this man on probably ropes and just let him down in front of Jesus. And he sees their faith. So what does he say? Man, thy sins be forgiven thee. And those guys up there, they're probably saying, we didn't come for that. (laughs) He's got palsy. He's paralyzed. Now you think about this. When you're up there and you let this man down, how are they going to get him out if nothing happens? They're going to pull him back up? I think they thought he's going to walk out. But regardless... He says, thy sins be forgiven thee. And now all of a sudden, all the religious leaders of the day, you know, the high and mighty ones that know the law and all this, who on earth can forgive sins except God? They nailed it because that's true. Wasn't it? Isn't that true? Who can forgive sins except God? Well, they're right in what they said. But Jesus went on to say this. He knew their thoughts. Why are you thinking this in your hearts? He said to them, you're right, basically. But what is easier to say? To say, man, your sins are forgiven you? Or rise up and walk, but that you may know. What? What? That you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He says to the sick of the palsy, take up your bed and go into your house. And right before their eyes, that happens. Do you realize what he just did? He just told them, I'm God. Did he not? They just said it. Only God can forgive sins. And he said, what is easier? What's the difference between the two? Another reason why they should have recognized him for who he was, the Messiah. Their Messiah who had come, God manifest in the flesh. And he proved it to them. But of course, they were too hard hardened and didn't accept it, didn't want to receive it. And so the man goes, of course, his way. He's completely healed and made whole. We also learn something else. There's a connection between forgiveness and healing. As a matter of fact, throughout the scriptures, we see they go hand in hand. Jesus dealt with the sin problem, which, of course, enabled the man to be healed as well. So we understand that unforgiveness or some things that we hold like bitterness within our hearts can short circuit the power of God that's present to heal people. And then they won't get healed unless they deal with the situation. And so he dealt with the situation. He told him his sins were forgiven. And, of course, it released the healing power of God into his life. Oftentimes I share with you how a woman who needed a creative miracle didn't get her miracle when she was prayed for until she got rid of the bitterness. And when she got rid of the bitterness, she got a creative miracle and was healed. Now, that doesn't mean that every sickness is based on someone's unforgiveness. And that doesn't mean that. We've got to put things together in in their proper setting. But we need to know that. Because you see, the Bible teaches us that in Isaiah 53, the chastisement of our peace is upon him. With his stripes we're healed. But it also says the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. You ready for this? You got your shouting clothes on? Your sin was placed on him. Your sin has been dealt with in him. My sin has been dealt with in him. Our sin has been placed on him. Hallelujah. He became our substitute. And that opens up the door for what? Spiritual wholeness, emotional wholeness, physical wholeness, and the list goes on and on. God made Him to be the curse for us. For us. He became it for us. Look at all the for us scriptures. They'll bless you immensely. He made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin. If God be for us, who can be against us? And the list goes on and on of all the things. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. See, it's all about us when it comes to the work of Christ. He did it all for us. He didn't need to do it for himself. He did it for us. And so thank God for that. Well, forgiveness can hinder uh, the healing power of God. But look at James 5, 14 and 15. Look what they say. You can see these are always connected. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with all in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise them up. And if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Goes on to say, for the effectual, fervent, heartfelt prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power, available, dynamic, and it's working. But notice how the two go together. Remember 1 Peter 2, 24? who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead, the sin should live to righteousness, by whose stripes ye were what? Healed. healed. You can see the two once again. So on the cross, he dealt with the sin problem. He dealt with the sickness problem. Both. And so in this particular teaching, we see some things here. He's letting us know people can be everywhere present. His power can be present everywhere. But only ones that are going to get healed are the ones with what? Faith. Faith. Because faith activates the power of God. And so, whatever it is that could be hindering that activation of that power of God, we also need to deal with it, as he dealt with that in that man's life. Now, I'm sure the man might know exactly what the problem was. I don't know. Who maybe he was holding bitterness against a family member. Who knows what the problem really was? We're not told that. But we're taught a principle. And we see that throughout Scripture. So here we see the power of God was activated When they showed faith and God saw their faith and Jesus said, you're forgiven and you're whole. Now we have another uh, situation. And the situation involves this woman with the issue of blood. We've talked about her. You know, I just did some in my studies here. We've often said that her name is not mentioned in the Bible. But I read some little article that says that her name is St. Veronica. I don't know where they got that. Veronica. I'm going to still say she's unnamed because I don't know how valid that really is. But this woman with the issue of blood in Mark 5, 25 through 34 is another situation that reveals to us the fact that the power of God can be present. People can be thronging him and it's not activated till someone activates it with faith. So let's read it first. Mark 5, 25 through 34. There was a woman with the issue of love for 12 years. She suffered many things and many physicians. She was nothing better, but rather grew worse. She came in the press behind, and she touched his garment, for she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Well, Jesus, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, said, who touched my clothes? Shall we start over? and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years suffered many things and many physicians had spent all that she had was nothing better but rather grew worse when she heard of Jesus she came in the press behind and touched her garment for she said if I may but touch his clothes i shall be made, i shall be whole and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body she was healed of that plague and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue notice the word virtue it's the word dunamis the miracle working power of god had gone out of him Turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round right about her to, about to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Now, once again, we have a situation here where The Holy Ghost thought it was important to put this particular testimony in the Scripture so that we can learn something from it. So what are the things that we're going to learn? Once again, we see that Jesus is the carrier of the power of God, is He not? He was anointed with Holy Ghost power from on high. And everywhere He went, He did good and healed all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with Him. We know that. So He was the carrier of the power of God everywhere He went. This woman, she was a woman who was aggressive. She spent all that she had on doctors and tried to get all the help that she could possibly get. She spent all that she had. she was nothing better, but rather she grew worse. So she's not just sitting back doing nothing about her situation. Now she might be hopeless because she spent all her money, she was not better, etc. She had what was called a hemorrhaging. She was hemorrhaging, and as a result of the hemorrhaging, it could have some situations where I again did another study on it would turn to gangrene in her intestines, and she would die from this particular disease. So obviously she was getting weaker and weaker as the days and years were going by. Well, she heard of Jesus. How important is it that we accurately hear about Jesus? I've turned on radio stations. I've listened to particular, you know, ministries and some of them really good in other areas. But when it comes to like healing and all that, well, you never know what God's going to do. And it just go on and just lead people down a path of doubt and unbelief rather than faith. And so it's important that we recognize our need to continue speaking God's word correctly so people can have the kind of faith. I don't think she heard something like, you know, he might heal you, he might not heal you. It may not be the will of God. You may have to suffer this for a reason. You may have to glorify God with this sickness or he's going to teach you a lesson and the list goes on and on and on and on and on. But they don't get right to the facts of what the word of God actually teaches about Jesus bore your sickness and carried your pain. So why would he want you to have it? He did it for you. So she heard of Jesus and I'm sure she heard the right message for she said, If I may but touch his clothes, his garment, I will be made whole. I commend this woman because the position that she is in takes a lot of courage for her to rise up and target the hem of his garment. Now, the hem of his garment, it's important to understand this. The hem would stand for the finished work of Christ. When he arose with healing in his wings, the healing in his wings was a reference not to wings that are spread out like a bird, but it was referring to the hem of his garment. And the fact that it was intertwined with blue, it represented the grace of God. And grace is nothing more than God's operational power in the life of the believer. So God's grace is in manifestation. So she targeted the grace, the power of God, the hem of his garment. And they knew that. When they target the the garment of the priest, they believed that there was healing that would flow from that. And so she heard probably that we believe he's the Messiah. Anyone that touches his garment, they're instantly made whole. And so what does she do? She rises up and she says, she takes responsibility for herself. If I may but touch His garment, I will be made whole. If you read the Amplified Version, and remember, we talked about our words, we talked about the importance of saying the right thing. You know, the Bible says she kept saying, she kept saying, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Why do you think she kept saying it over and over and over again? I'm sure because of the distractions that could be coming against her mind. She's a human being just like we are. And you know what she was probably hearing? You're unclean. You shouldn't be going where you're going. You shouldn't be doing what you're doing. If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. You shouldn't be doing this. And then when she got closer and she saw the crowd, the multitudes that were surrounding Jesus, I'm sure she heard the same thing echoing within her brain. You shouldn't be doing this. You've got a crowd unclean right now. Scatter the crowd. If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. She was focused. She set her face like flint. She was immovable. And how about this? Do you remember when blind Bartimaeus asked what's going on? Oh, it's Jesus. And he cried out. Remember he cried out? Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. They said, hush. He got all the louder. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. And he kept louder and louder until finally he got the attention of Jesus. This woman wasn't shouting anything. She snuck up from behind. Got in the crowd. She should be shouting right now, unclean, unclean, unclean. But now she was focused. So she got on her knees and she crawled over to Jesus and she touched the hem of His garment. And there was an activation of the power of Almighty God. Man, and that power immediately flowed into her, and she felt in her body she was healed of that plague, but it also flowed out of Jesus. Jesus said, who touched me? Now imagine this. All these people, even the disciples said, Lord, people are thronging you. You know what that means. Man, they're elbow to elbow with you, shoulder to shoulder with you, everybody's touching you, who's doing this, that, and whatever, and sayest thou, who touched me? He said, no, 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 no. Somebody made a demand upon my ability in the Greek. Someone made a demand on my power. I felt it go out of me. And then knowing in herself what had happened, she fell down and told all the truth. And he looked at her and said, daughter... Go that way. Your faith. He attributed to her faith, but he knew the power went out of him. So the two are working together, the work of faith with power, coming together to do what? Activate the healing power that she needed in her body. And she was completely healed. And so, once again, we see that these two forces work together to accomplish the purposes of God. And once again, the word virtue there, is the same word 1411 in your strongest concordance It's dunamis. God's a miracle working power. What do these two lessons so far tell us? You can have crowds of people around Jesus. People could be thronging Him, touching Him, and whatever, and nothing activated. But when just one person comes along in faith and activates it, wow, miracles take place. So once again, I'm not saying it's anything that's easy. How many times have you heard me say from this pulpit, I kept saying we can't have any children. We can't have any more children. We can't because I just got saved and it didn't know it. Mm -mm. This condition, this operation, no children, no children. And actually talking like, I'll be honest with you. We had papers for adoption that were in. You see, we're, we're, the Bible says that we perish for what? Lack of knowledge. So, and that's why Brother Jose holds this place in my heart when he said, Brother, go read Psalm 128. But let me tell you this. It's not just reading one, Psalm 128. It's the condition of the heart of the person who reads Psalm 128. I was on fire for God. I was gung-ho for Jesus. I was feeding on the books you see in our bookstore there, books written by men like Kenneth Hagan, E.W. Kenyon, that people criticize and put down today in a big way. But listen, I didn't know better. I didn't hear negative statements about men of faith. All I knew is when I read that book, Redeemed from the curse, I took it to heart. And then when he said, go read that verse of Scripture, that your wife will be planted by the sides of your house and your children around your table like olive plants, children. I bowed my knees before God in an old, filthy, graphite-filled mill crane. I lifted up my eyes to heaven and said, Father, I misrepresented you. Forgive me, I am so sorry. I've told people all around that you don't want me to have any more children and that's a lie. I didn't know it. I'm sorry. It was ignorance on my part. You do want me to have children. My wife is a fruitful vine and I'm thanking you for that. And the rest is history. You see, it took, as long as I was talking like that, there was no faith in operation to to tap into the power of God. And that's why this has been more of a teaching ministry here. Who wants to just be preached at? You should do this. You should. We need to know what the Word of God teaches about these blessed truths. I can't tell you how many people that were infertile just from hearing that testimony have been able to have children as a result. Why? Because the whole gospel message we are told benefits no one if you don't mix faith with it. So what good is it? Well, at least we know what dress Rebecca had. And maybe we know St. Veronica was the woman with the issue of blood. Does that float your boat? You know what floats mine? Six children. You know what floats mine? Dante's new colon. You know what floats mine? Angel's alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Someone told me you should not teach all that stuff about what you say and all that. Really? You're asking me to change what brought life to me, to my family? Is that what you're saying? They criticize these men of faith and they don't want to hear it. Why? Because they don't want to take the time, the diligence that it takes to get into the Word of God and find out the finished work of Christ and learn exactly what He did for all of us. And then guess what? Roll up your sleeves and get ready for a fight. Did you hear that? Get ready for a fight. The good fight of faith is a fight with words. Look at the next section. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 6. He was a little bit more detailed about some of these things. And when, and he came down with them and stood in the plain and the company of his disciples and the great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to do two things, to hear him And to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch Him. For there went virtue out of Him and healed a small percentage of of them. Healed them all. For some reason, people want to deviate from what the Scriptures actually teach and just make all these other statements and all that. Listen. The only way we're going to get a strong, robust faith is by finding out what the Word of God says. And guess what? Am I 100% efficient in it? Absolutely not. But the miracles I've experienced already along the way, I'm so thankful for as a result of it. I've said in my Pathways Life, there's no death every day of my life since I've been a child of God and learned that principle. It has saved my daughter, oldest daughter, twice, her life twice. And I know that for a fact she'd be in heaven right now if it were not for that word of faith. And so, yes, I I embrace it. But remember, it's not just faith alone. It's faith mixed with faith and power coming together. Thank God that there's a power beyond human scope. There's a power beyond what man can do. Although we thank God for what man can do. But praise God, God can do what man can't do. So this whole multitude desired to touch him. Why? Because Dunamis went out from him and did what? It healed them all. Every one of them was healed that touched him. So you know they were taught right because they went to touch him. So you talk about his fame that went out. Man, just go touch him. You'll be healed. The faith was for them wherever they were at to make the journey to where he was at. And if they got to where he was at and they touched him, what was the result? They were healed. Them all. Every single one of them. Okay. Well, I've got some good news for us. Faith and power produce healing. But look at this verse in in Romans chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. To get to where he's at, you want to get to where he's at? You say, well, I really wish Jesus was on earth today so we could get to where he's at. I would touch him and be whole. I would touch him and be delivered and set free, etc., etc. Well, if Christ be in you, the body's dead because of sin. That's your body. Right? This man on the outside does not want to cooperate with God. Can I get an amen or two out of that? Why? Why? Because we've been born again, the life of God's in our spirit, but not in our soul or flesh. The soul needs renewed, the flesh needs to be kept under. Look at the next part. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. The word life there is zoe. It means life as God has it. This man on the inside has been given life as God has it. I heard a preacher, as a matter of fact, even this morning, as I was driving back to the church. I just put that on just to listen early this morning. And he was saying, you know, even though we're Christians, we have the death nature still living in us. And I thought, what Bible are you reading? Peter tells us we're partakers of the divine nature. He couldn't understand the distinct difference between the man on the outside and the man on the inside. The man on the inside is born again, washed in the blood, God's masterpiece. A partaker of the divine nature of Almighty God. And he was using Romans chapter 7 by saying that, you know, uh, Paul wanted to do this, but he didn't. He didn't want to do that, and he did. It was a warfare taking place between this, this nature he has on the inside. And I'm thinking, you have a misunderstanding between what is on the spirit and, and what's in the soul. Men's a tripart being spirit, soul, and body. His spirit's born again, washed in the blood, life and nature of God is in it. But the flesh has been taught wrong by the unregenerate spirit that used to be there. That nature has been Wiped out, removed, you are a born again child of Almighty God. You've got a new nature inside you. You're God's masterpiece. You're washed in the blood of the land. You're a partaker of the divine nature. You don't have two natures. You have one nature. You've been born again. You've got the life of God in you. You've got Zoe on the inside of you. Now the man on the outside, he's still under what? The teaching of the old man. That's why there's a warfare. There wouldn't be a warfare if you had the old nature in you. There wouldn't be a warfare between your flesh and your spirit. They'd be in harmony. That's how you were before you got saved. But now that you're saved, you've got the life and nature of God in you. And that your nature on the inside doesn't want to do with the de- what the flesh was once on the outside. So there's a warfare taking place. And that's the fight that we're in. Well, in verse 11, look at that verse 11. Oh my, have you got your seatbelt on? (laughs) But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, and He does, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwells in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! The power... House, The power source has been given to every one of us. We have this glory in earthen vessels. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. We don't have to go to Jerusalem on a pilgrimage. We've got Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we've got the Holy Ghost that raised Jesus from the dead dwelling in us. The problem is we're looking out there when we should be looking in here and saying glory to God. God's on the inside of me. Zoe, life's on the inside of me. I've got the life of God in me. And the Holy Ghost that took the body of Jesus, you think what you saw on the passion of the Christ gives it justice? No way. He didn't even appear to be human-like. And the Holy Ghost could take that body that was so emaciated and give it a glorified body? Well, guess what? You're not dead. You're alive. And the Holy Ghost can quicken our mortal bodies. Hallelujah. Can you see that? The Holy Ghost can quicken our mortal bodies. You know, I, I believe that Brother Chuck's alive because he took Romans 8 11 and made that his declaration of faith. Think about it. When you hear a testimony like Dante's, you have no idea. He had a counterattack on this thing. And, you know, he was in treatment for that. And so he had to have this every so often, another colonoscopy. And he gave us the report last week and said, Dad, he sent me a text. The doctor said I have a perfect colon. Perfect That wasn't that way before. He can't even see any scar tissue. He can't see anything that was wrong. But I'm telling you, you talk about a fight, the good fight of faith, scriptures on the wall, he would tape them to the wall and every day make his declaration of faith. See, I know we all would want the instant, wouldn't we? That'd be great, wouldn't it? I wish it was that way too. But sometimes you've got to hold fast your confession of faith without wavering. How many days did you hold fast to the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead? Is quickening my mortal body. Lungs full of um, blood clots. 70% full of blood clots. Think about it. You see, that's the difference. That's why people come against the word of faith message, because it's not always instant. How can you say you're healed? I, I, you know what I'm saying? The Holy Ghost lives in me. The power of God's alive in me. The one that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. He's quickening my mortal body. He's giving it life and health. Praise God. Thank God for the life of God. Matter of fact, here's a verse that we often quote. But look at it. Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, as long as you'll go to a lot of different meetings around the world. I'm not opposed to going to meetings, don't get me wrong. But if you get your healing that way, you get your deliverance that way, trust me, you better roll up your sleeves and get into the Word of God because to whom much is given, much is what? Required. Required. Now it's time to get into the book and start finding out why you got healed that way. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the What's the word? What we'll say it again. Power. What's the Greek word? Power. Dunamis. The same dunamis that raised Jesus from the dead. The same dunamis that Jesus was anointed with. The same dunamis you and I have on the inside of us. What's our declaration of faith? Dunamis is alive in me. Dunamis power, the power of God is in me. This power raised Jesus from the dead. It's working in my body to make it whole. If you're infertile, I'm saying it's working in me to make me fertile. Praise God. Thank God I'm whole. Yeah. It's a fight. You've got to fight the good fight of faith. We can't give up. We can't faint and lose heart. Why? Because Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, you'll reap if you faint not. The devil's job is to get us to faint. You realize that. But they the way to Paul the Lord, they'll renew their strength. They'll round up with, me- round up with wings as e- eagle, like eagles and run and not weary and walk and not, what? Faint. Oh, even young men faint. Because you see, if you try in your natural strength, you're going to faint. But praise God, if you say, but the Word of God says. Hallelujah. Someone says, back off. I'm not backing off. I'm getting deeper into it. Praise God. The Holy Ghost is here who raised Jesus from the dead. Church is about bringing God on the scene and releasing God on the scene. Not entertainment. So the question is how? How do we touch the hem of his garment today? By learning about the finished work of Christ. And applying your faith to it. It will activate the power of God. By getting filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues. That's why the devil doesn't want you to have it. Because there's an impartation of the very dunamis of God inside your being. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost. You've got Holy Ghost power. Let's all stand before the Lord. Also, recognize that we are the body of Christ and that every member is needed in the body. Take your place. Do your part. Celebrate the Lord's Supper. And that's another way to partake of or touch the hem of His garment because you're recognizing His completed work. All that He did for us on Calvary. So, yes, we don't have to go to Jerusalem. We don't have to go to any shore of Galilee. All we've got to do is go to the throne and look within. Hallelujah. I don't know how you're not shouting yet. Glory to God. He raised Jesus from the dead. He's dwelling in us. He's quickening our mortal bodies with life. Zoe, life. Do power. Hallelujah. Have you got something to sing along that line? Because if you don't, I'm going to start singing. You don't want to hear that. Fast. Yes. <laughs> glory to God have you got it in you praise God it's in in us don't let your feelings and emotions keep you under praise God rise up the Holy Ghost is saying rise up go beyond your feelings and emotions acknowledge who's in you the Lord of glory and the Lord of all miracle powers on the inside of you hallelujah glory to God